Howdy, folks. Uh, my darling brother, Zachary, will not be with us today because he had to go take care of some other things, which unfortunately leaves these two wonderful, hum upstanding human beings that, uh, eh, you know, whatever I'm, I'm going to let come out of my mouth today. Um, but uh, I will tell you that my brother will be editing this down later, and he'll probably pull a lot of these things out. So I can say whatever I want. Uh, he did set this up for recording, and he named it, Todd Talks About Anything He Wants Except Gay Porn. And to my brother, I say, do you know why gay men are always grumpy and rude? Because they're fucking assholes. Since I am uh, not at the control of the buttons, uh, that would be Miss uh, Lovely Lindy today. Um, I'm just going to roll with this, and I'm going to make you two feel very uncomfortable. And the only thing I am hoping to accomplish today is for you two for and Albert anyone Fish. who listens to this. <laughs> no red hots. No red okay. hots. <laughs> <laughs> the only you get from this today is when I'm done speaking to this, in your mind, or you could say it out loud, you're just going to be like, I fucking know less about this than when we fucking started. What the fuck? Everyone is now officially donor. I for for confusion's sake, yes. Okay. Not Confucius, confusion. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going to give you some basic facts as I tell you what we're going to speak on today. Okay. We're going to go back to the 8th of March, 2014. I'm going to give you these basic times, 1236, 1241, 119, and 121. Now, these are all AM, and these are the only undisputed facts about Malaysian Flight 370. Okay. Wow. All right. Oh, shit. On the 8th of March, the scheduled takeoff time for Flight 370 was 12.36 a.m. It was a red eye from Kuala Lumpur heading to Beijing. I will start this out by saying there were 239 people on this plane. 227 <laughs> passengers and 12 crew. 239 people. I just want to reiterate this. 239 people are gone right no explanations no answers gone and then you turn it over to their family have no answers have no end have nothing right many theories many ideas 
And the only quote-unquote accepted truths are all only based on math. <laughs> and math alone. <laughs> and these are the quote-unquote accepted truths of what happened. Math. Educated guesses, I suppose. I'll get to it. So, scheduled takeoff for this flight was 1236. They had an issue with a last-minute cargo load going into this Boeing 777 which ended up pushing the flight back a few minutes. It actually did not take off until 12.41 a.m. Okay. It left the ground. It went up to about 18,000 feet to clear out over Malaysia and then was cleared to 35,000 feet to head out over the South China Sea. At 1.19, the air traffic controller contacted the aircraft and said, you need to swap over to Ho Chi Minh, gave him the radio frequency, and said, have a good night. At 1.20, the pilot of 370 responded with, understood, good night, 370. That is the last recorded anything. At 1.21, the aircraft, and let me be very specifically clear about this, went electronically dark. The transponder radios, anything that alerted anybody to what this aircraft was and where it was, gone. Does that just happen? Does it uh, Not unless you, Ooh. A, have a complete catastrophic failure of the aircraft, or okay. B, it all gets it's, turned off. It gets turned <laughs> off manually, yeah. Okay. So, with and, and I'm reiterating, these are the only, only undisputed truthful facts of this whole story. Wow. Now, we're just going to roll into the conspiracies and the ideas. From I, right okay, here. I've got a question. Is there, is there like a modern day D.C. Cooper kind of situation that people threw out there? Or uh, there's, bro, there's a there's... couple. Okay. I'm I'm only going to touch on five of the major ones, okay? Of, of only five. I might do six just because I'm talking with you, Matt. And okay. uh, if I leave aliens out of it, it won't be. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta <laughs> so the other established, I guess, fact is that somewhere in the South China Sea, the U.S., Vietnam, Thailand and the Philippines were playing war games and they were doing, you know, beach assault exercises and they were flying many airplanes and they had at a minimum of two AWACS. <laughs> and if you don't know what an AWACS is, I'm not going to explain it. Google it. You'll understand for yourself from that point. Mm -hmm. It goes right was, in the butt crack. Those AWACSs do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And, and he got his, he got the butt, he got the butt in. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that is, that is a truth. Um, the, okay, let me, let me backtrack for a second. Um, none of the radar records for the Malaysian military, none of the radar for an Australian-ran airbase in Malaysia 
none of those radar records have ever been released or spoken of, shown to anyone. They have Doesn't just that been... seem like not okay? Yes. The actual cargo manifest of the aircraft, which you would think was readily right there on file, yeah. um, was not readily available until two days after the flight had been reported missing. So, some nearly no time to adjust anything. <laughs> so, the aircraft takes off, and there are only two real truths to airplanes. They go up, they go down. That's it. Yeah. We will establish that it was a basically a five and a half hour flight from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing. The aircraft, according to Malaysian military radar, Malaysia. At, at around 1.25 a.m., so four minutes after it went electronically dark and was no longer with a transponder, their radar says that the aircraft turned to the right and then suddenly turned back to the left and kept a magnetic heading of 231. So if you understand Malaysia, it kind of sits like this and India is up here. The aircraft is taking off this way towards Vietnam veered this way, and then turned back this way. Okay? Like bank to turn? Yes. So, yeah. in other words, it came off this way. Well, let me... Came up, you know, flying straight, turned suddenly more to the south towards Australia, and then suddenly turns all the way back to the left to come back over the top of Malaysia. Okay? Once again... These radar records have never been released. So at this point, the only idea that they have that it is this aircraft is that it is traveling at 35,000 feet at 496 knots. And it is now heading back over itself on a northwesterly direction. Still unverified. Right. The point that they use to verify this is that when it was crossing over the actual landmass, the northern tip of Malaysia, the co-pilot's cell phone pinged a cell tower. And that's how oh. they verify that it is this aircraft and it is Flight 370. So now, well, when you when the air traffic controller signs off with them, is it because of the, the distance that they're getting? And they yes. need, they so hand they them turn, off to the next ATC. So but if he turns air, back, is he not coming back into? True, but almost all air traffic control is based off what they call phase A. It's off their transponder. They are going, hey, I'm here. Hey, I'm right here. Hey, I'm right here. And that's all the radar that the ATCs carry because that's how they keep track of everything. Okay. As far as like long-standing passive radar where you're just sweeping the whole sky, that is more of a marine aerial, you know, more most likely militaries are are right. Okay. But as far as air traffic control, no. So, I'm going to give you a couple of basic facts right now. 
they said the radar data said that this aircraft, I take this back, was actually traveling at 29,000 feet at 496 knots, and they gave a magnetic heading. Cell phone towers are normally 150 to 400 feet tall. You're going to lose any type of service. You get anything about 6,000 feet. Right. They tried to explain this away by saying it was a 2G ping, which meant that the tower had connected to the phone, but the phone never connected to the tower, which is impossible because there is no ability for cell signal above 10,000 feet. Right. It will not carry. So way lower. Unless you've got a 3,000 foot tall tower that's putting it up there. Okay. It's not going to happen. So to say that the aircraft was traveling at 29,000 feet and, oh, we got a cell ping. That's how we know it was them. Bullshit. I was going to say, did he have one of those stupid expensive phones that you can use anywhere? So that being the only thing that pinged, nobody else's phone on the aircraft pinged, just the co-pilots, just the co-pilots mm. at 29,000 feet. Bullshit. He forgot to turn on his in-flight mode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so from this, he point, was the only one with a flip phone. Those things, those things got signal everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so from this point, the only tracking that they were ever to bring about was when this company, InSmart, laid out that they were part of the satellite communications that they had established and built into most of these Boeing airplanes to where they could radio and call through satellite. Now, just because you turn the equipment off doesn't mean that the electronic handshake between the satellite and the equipment doesn't keep going. And that happens once an hour at the top of the hour. So at the top of every hour, the satellite sends a ping out. This uh, receiver doesn't, in essence, truly respond, but sends back a, we received the ping. This is where the math comes in. They have a satellite in geosynchronous orbit over the Indian Ocean. So that means that that satellite is always in that spot over the Indian Ocean as the Earth circles around. It's just right there circling with it, okay? Yeah, okay. This is where the math comes in. They are measuring the distance between the signal being sent and the signal being received to estimate where this aircraft was because math will tell you if it takes this long, then this is the measured distance because this is how fast the signal travels. But what they failed to fucking understand is that they claim that the aircraft came out, went back over Malaysia, and then headed south towards Antarctica, down towards Australia. They draw that basis on this is where the satellite was, and this is how far away the signal was happening as it went. So if you draw a line from where the center where the satellite sits... That plane could have went north, and that plane could have went south. 
because the only thing you have is distance from the center satellite. So it was here or it was here. It was here or it was here. It was here or it was here. Wow. The satellite data that they chose to follow was to the south, down towards Australia, because they show it can go, it can go. The peens, quote unquote, stop at this point. And that's also the relative amount of time that it would have taken for the aircraft to exhaust all of its fuel. No fuel, no fly, you crash. Yeah. <laughs> if you went to the north and followed that same line all the way up to fuel exhaustion, it puts you in Kazakhstan. Oh, boy. And so we delve into... <laughs> got a bad pen i'm over here clicking i got a bad pen um we delve into theory number one theory number one uh comes into that there was possibly some type of uh equipment that it was communications equipment that had been stolen from the u.s military or that it was a shot down drone from pakistan that was the last last minute addition of cargo that was put on that held the flight up for those last five minutes. Um, all cargo going on to these aircraft uh, in their shipment containers are x-rayed. Yeah. This one was not because it was a last minute ad. You know what the hell? Throw it on. It meets our weight requirements. We can get it in there. Fucking hurry up. We got to take off. Good call. Um, and that at this point, uh, Russians on board the aircraft, uh, took over the aircraft and flew it to Kazakhstan to recover all of that equipment. The second theory of that same thing, that there was this equipment that was loaded on last minute, was that the U.S. military uh, tried to force the plane to land. The pilot was like, screw you, and they shot it down. <laughs> Because they weren't going to let this shit, number one, go to Russia or much less land in Beijing for the Chinese to have. Now, I told you there was two AWACS in the mm -hmm. area. Yeah, they can, they can do a lot of things to uh, manipulate radar and radio and all kinds of stuff. <clears throat> um, yet again, who knows? I can tell you that... Uh, the Malaysians, the Chinese, and the Australians were the major runners of the whole search for this aircraft. Um, the U.S. contributed, you know, a little bit of money and supposedly some technology-based stuff to help look for it. But otherwise, kept their hands off the throttle and the steering wheel. And we're like, no, you guys got it. <laughs> it does It does seem impossible that <laughs> with all the technology that we've got that a, a flight can just become missing <laughs> and you can't blame conspiracy theories. Cause so anyways, um, moving along the, the other side of that whole thing is that, you know, you've got the hijacker theory, you've got the U S shot the plane down. The next step in all of this was that the pilot in essence just decided to, you know, mass murder and commit suicide and kill all these people. Now, <laughs> that being the case, 
Um, it's never taken. I mean, because literally, I mean, I hate to scare you people, but this this has happened mm-hmm. a few times. Um, yes, yes. It's it's never taken uh, five and a half hours to make that happen. It's usually within the first 40 minutes. They get out. They usually get over a body of water or, or something they want to fly into, and they put the plane in. Um, not that, you know, because once again, we know the aircraft was traveling, and we know it was on either side of the satellite, north or south, heading a direction, north or south. That is the only truth <laughs> and out of any of the InSmart data that is, is realistic. But them, based on their math and the fact that, hey, in order for you to fly over all these other countries, so Georgia, Ukraine, all this, up to Kazakhstan, um, there's so much, quote-unquote, sophisticated military radar that the aircraft would have been easily tracked, as opposed to Malaysia and Australia's ability to track the aircraft across their own land. So it couldn't have possibly went north where an airplane could literally disappear in Kazakhstan because the Russians wanted it. Yeah, they just go, oh, we don't have any data. Nope, we never had any record of a a blip on our radar, anything. So it had to go south and fly out over the Indian Ocean and run out of fuel and crash somewhere. I would like to add at this moment that literally four and a half months after 370, flight 370 went missing, a Malaysian Airlines flight going from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur was shot down in Kazakhstan by the Russians. <laughs> Same Boeing 777 and everything. <laughs> now, once again, I think there was roughly about 270 people on that aircraft. Gone. Uh, you know, no no true bodies to recover because the Russians ain't you know they don't work that way, and those families again you know loss of life. I don't want to take anything away from that. I was going to read all of the names from these flights, but uh, a lot of them are very foreign, and the last thing I want to do is trying to be respectful and disrespectfully mispronounce your name. So not going to do that, but um, not laughing at the loss here. Um, no. <laughs> At least the people on this Malaysian flight number 17, they know exactly what happened. Uh, their aircraft was shot down. Their families know and understand that it was the Russian military that did it. The Russians have never denied it in any way, shape, or form. They have just went, hmm, hmm. <laughs> Very Russian. We know no strong like bull we are. So. Hang on. Am I still coming through like shit? No, well, it's coming I through mean, good. I mean, you're 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 kind of shitty, but that has yeah, to I mean, do with but... how you sound. Okay, because it it said it's, it switched my mic over. It it's, it says it switched it, my mic over to the. There's no peanut butter involved. Is... No peanut butter involved. We're good. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Enough with the fish sticks. Yeah, back at it. Back at it. So. Levity. Oh, where the hell was I? I've already confused myself. Conspiracy number three is where we're headed. Yep. Okay, yes. Three. So, conspiracy number three. Uh, uh. Here we go. So, at 1.38 a.m., so remember, 1.21 is when this thing went electronically dark. At 
Walla Lampour, ATC, contacted Malaysian Airlines Control Operations Center and asked them, where is your aircraft? Malaysian Airlines question. responded back to them at 2.03 a.m. and said, our aircraft is over Cambodia right now. Their own in-house, whatever tracking they had on their aircraft, they told them it is over Cambodia. Kuala Lumpur ATC then hits up Ho Chi Minh, which was the next air traffic control that was supposed to pick up Flight 370, and says, hey, do you have any radar or anything, or was you know had you at any point directed them to enter Cambodian airspace? And no. They were supposed to come across the southern tip of Vietnam into the South China Sea and then head north up to Beijing. So there was no reason for this aircraft. It was, in essence, off track if it was in Cambodia. At 3.30 in the morning, Malaysian Airlines Operations Centers reconfirms that based on flight projection and not reliable, uh, not reliable for aircraft positioning, that they are not sure where the aircraft is, but that the last quote unquote possible fix they had would have put it in Cambodia. Not that they sensed it in Cambodia. Oh, okay. So, so within an hour, they've already backtracked and said, "Uh, no, we're not saying it's actually there. We're just saying." From our stuff, it should have. That's where it probably most likely was. How far? How far could a plane travel in an hour and a half? I mean, uh, thirty-five thousand feet. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good amount of miles. <laughs> so, uh, at five twenty a.m., an undisclosed official contacted Kuala Lumpur ATC requesting information about Flight Three Seventy. He opined that based on known information, MH370 never left Malaysian airspace. Something ain't stirring the Kool-Aid. The watch supervisor at Kuala Lumpur activated the Kuala Lumpur Aeronautical Rescue Coordination Center at 5.30 a.m., more than four hours after communication was lost with Flight 370. So the ARC then takes over and is responsible for search and rescue, which brings in the Malaysian military and everybody else who can, you know, add some time and add some resources. Um, so that last statement reaffirms that, you know, maybe the U.S. Uh, did uh, take care of the problem supposed problem hmm. now the only truths the only facts are the aircraft departed Kuala Lumpur at 12.41 a.m. it was uh, handed off at 1.19 told to contact Ho Chi Minh ATC at 1.20 the pilot responded from flight 370 and said yes got it good night and at 1.21 a.m., the aircraft went electronically dark. The other <laughs> great theory in all of this is that, mathematically speaking, 
based off the geosynchronous satellite for Inspark. They tracked it. It could have went north. It could have went south. They based telling these people that this aircraft went down off the western coast of Australia for almost 10 years now based off math. Your family, your loved ones are dead because mathematically that's the only truth that we have to give you. Not that they might be alive living in Kazakhstan as prisoners or, you know, any of these other possible theories. Okay. Mm -hmm. None of it. Just mathematically speaking, we know the aircraft traveled to either north to this point or south to this point, but we know it didn't go north because all of those countries have very sophisticated military radars and they would have seen the airplane. Not that they're going to say we've seen the airplane, but that they would have. All of them being previous Russian bloc countries that are still under Russian control, Russian Federation. So it had to go south. Had to go south. And if it went to this point, and we got a ping at this point, but if it went to this point, it would have exhausted fuel and crashed. Now, mind you, there are stories of aircraft pieces washing up on the eastern African coast and in Madagascar. Uh, all of them, quote unquote, could and most likely are aircraft parts with no discernible serial numbers or anything else. At one point, almost a year later, there was a flaperon that was found on a beach somehow wonderfully mm -hmm. that as a aviation person, I can tell you every flight control and every major component on an aircraft. So a vertical stabilizer, a horizontal stabilizer, a wing, flight controls, ailerons, flaperons, rudders, elevator, all these things have identification plates on them stating uh, a serial number, a part number, um, when it was uh, made, the you know installed on this particular aircraft, all of this information is on this identification plate. The identification plate's not on the flaperon. It's gone. Now, mind you, we rivet these things and glue them on there and test them. They don't just come off. They don't. Something else so, that's not working out here. But because this little island, and I should have said this, it, it's called, it's for Union Island. I'm not going to try and pronounce it in French. It belongs to the French. It's a territory of the French. The French get involved. And they take this thing, and this is when, down the road, the Malaysians jump out and say, this is definitely a piece of Flight 370. This verifies that we know the aircraft went south ran out of fuel, crashed somewhere in the Indian Ocean. The downside to this is that the French only said that they took a boroscope, and if anybody doesn't know what a boroscope is, basically a flexible camera. You can go inside of a component without tearing it apart and look for identifying marks, all this stuff. Well, they found numbers in there. And aviation industry is famous for stamping numbers on all of their parts as they get put together so you find a quote-unquote part number on something and that just tells you that this material is this could have just been a straight line 
of aluminum in there, but it's, you know, 2024, da 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 da, whatever, you know, that piece. Those are the only piece numbers that they pulled out of this flapper on. And one out of the 12 numbers they found in there, one matched component assembly for a Boeing 777. One number out of 12. The Malaysians come out and go, it's verified. It's flight 370 because the French said so. And the French went, uh, no, no we, didn't. we we never officially said this. We said we got a number that was matching to a component number that would have been installed on a Boeing 777. Not that it was flight 370. We have no serial number. We have nothing that we can designate straight to this being this. So in steps the French government and one of the guys who lost his family, his wife and his two younger children were on flight 370. He was working in China at the time, uh, both gone. Uh, Thank goodness for the French. They, uh, he, he, because this washes up and it gives the French some type of jurisdictional, you know, valid validation i guess um gets to say i want to file a wrongful death suit and investigate into the deaths of my family french government says well you have the right to do that under french law so we will instigate an investigation and it's run by judges and investigators and it's still open to this day still working to this day so he gets involved and pushes this forward. So now we get back to the mass suicide. The pilot did it two years after this flight goes missing. The FBI, FBI, not Malaysian government, not Chinese government, not Australian government. The FBI comes out. And says, in the hours after the flight went missing, the Malaysian government turned over all of the pilots' home flight simulator, hard drives, and tapes to the FBI. In the hours, the FBI, quote-unquote, has these things after this flight goes missing. Nobody even decided to put in search and rescue until five that morning. So in the hours, the FBI is already there to receive tapes. Hmm. They, they claim that the pilot had several times flown that coming left turn back over Malaysia and then heading south into the Indian Ocean. Had flown that route on a simulator. So now we're back to the pilot did it. That their their theory is is that he depressurized the cabin, and in doing so, the oxygen mask dropped down. Everybody's got about hmm, maybe about a half hour of air before that runs out. Mm-hmm. Flight crew has a lot more because they've got their own separate bottle controlling all that. 
he basically puts everybody in the aircraft into hypoxia state and kills them. And then just what? Decides to fly around with 200 and <laughs> 238 dead bodies. Ooh, yeah. I'm just, hey, I'm out here flying over the Indian Ocean. You know, I'm just going to keep flying until I run out of fuel and then die. But I killed everybody. And that's that's their answer. Yet again. <laughs> It took the FBI two years to release this data. The fact that they were involved in the investigation at all was never spoken of, never released. They just came out two years later and went, hey, we figure it was the pilot because of this. Come to find out that data is not actual flight on his simulator it's literally waypoints from him bringing his mouse to here bringing his mouse to here and then bringing his mouse to here never actually flew it but clicked on a mouse in these spots and they got to draw a line okay so yet again who knows now in all fairness to matt there is the alien theory. And the alien theory is that that flight was just cruising along and then a UFO just swallowed it up and took it away. And we'll never truly know because they're up getting butt probed. <laughs> Ask me about my butthole! <laughs> makes, makes as much sense as killing all the passengers and just flying until you run out of fuel. So, um, I will tell you that once again, based on math, people have been going all over the Indian Ocean, the western coast of Australia, because that's where everybody believes this aircraft is. And there have been several companies that have gone out there and dragged sonar buoys and ran autonomous vehicles, mapping the ocean floor, doing all these things, mind you, um, the Indian Ocean is kind of one of those things that never gets talked about because there's not a whole lot of real traffic between the western coast of Australia and the southeast coast of Africa, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the Indian Ocean. I will I will applaud the people who were in this search effort for many years. Uh, I want to say most of them, with the Australians running it, ran this until about 2017. Uh, They were out on the Indian Ocean. I mean, we're talking, they put themselves in much peril trying Mm -hmm. to give people some answers. So kudos to them. Hats off. Well, not literally, but, you know, hats off. Um, The only true answers that I can give you to this is that the aircraft never made it to Beijing. The aircraft has never factually been found. And there are 239 people who are missing, who are alive, dead, mathematically speaking, according to Ansmart, are dead because the aircraft had to keep turning left and fly out over the Indian Ocean and run out of fuel and crash. We don't know, but I once again, the only facts are this. That aircraft took off at 12.41 a.m. At 1.19 a.m., Kuala Lumpur ATC handed it over 
to Ho Chi Minh, telling them the radio frequency to tune to to contact Ho Chi Minh, keep on their flight path and make contact with the next ATC. At 1.20, the pilot responded, understood, good night. And at 1.21, the aircraft went electronically dark. Otherwise, that airplane is anywhere. Mathematically speaking, it's either in Kazakhstan or it's in the Indian Ocean. Uh, will I know the answer to this in my lifetime? Probably not. Can I make I some guesses? It's... You betcha. Is there enough? Is there enough unanswered random things to point a lot of fingers? Yes. But mm-hmm. what I will say is that I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> no. I think it's ridiculous to think that there is no radar data. Uh, it, it has not been released, but it has to. It has to be. Now the it other has funny, to be on a... the other funny part about this is is that um, in the days after, you know, they they released a manifest, and yes, there was quote unquote three ethnically born Russian men on the aircraft. There was also two Iranian men that was, this was added after they had released the manifest that were traveling on fake. Um, I want to say one of them was an Italian passport and the other one was, a, a, you know, basically two Iranian men traveling on fake passports. Mm-hmm. Um, there were like 153 Chinese nationals. My, I mean, most of the aircraft was them. They, a lot of them were actually in malaysia for some type of uh, artistic calligraphy event and so they had gone these calligraphy artists gone there with their families and stuff and they were just flying home from this event Uh, you know uh, how how do you determine the reason for for an aircraft to go missing uh you always want to you know motive and and all these kind of things you know what was the mystery last minute cargo we don't know a lot of people want to say that it was lithium batteries and that they overheated and the aircraft caught fire. And that's why, you know, and there's a million and one stories about people in the days after this thing disappearing, finding debris in the South China Sea and finding, you know, oil rig workers seeing flames in the sky. And, and I mean, you can, you can confirm that the U.S. shot this down, that the aircraft caught fire, went down that it supposedly turned back on itself and it's in Kazakhstan or it crashed in the Indian Ocean, you can find workable information to confirm all of these things, which to me speaks to one one truth. It was the fucking aliens, because if you can't explain it, Sherlock Holmes always said, <laughs> the one thing that seems un unexplainable is the answer it's the truth fucking aliens it seems crazy that arkham's razor is aliens in this story <laughs> so yeah that's it man and and like i said i you know i mean i could keep going with stories and information for hours for hours and, and there are people who are completely obsessed with trying to find aircraft parts for this. 
and writing stories. I mean, to this day, there are still people doing podcasts and, and talking about this. It's the it's the most unfortunate, unanswered thing of of our generation. I mean, it's it's the Bermuda Triangle for for millennials. You know, I mean, whatever else. Right. There there are no answers. There are no. That is the one absolute truth of this is that there are no answers. None. Well, you definitely and... didn't disappoint. I'm left with more questions than answers. <laughs> I'm, I'm more angry now. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know there is information out there. <laughs> they will neither confirm nor deny it. Mm-hmm. I, there is no confirmation. I gave you all the confirmation I have. Mm-hmm. These no, are the only facts. Right. Everything else is speculation. 1241? Yeah. It's... It's crazy, man. I, Educated I, guest, but yeah. I, I would tell you as as an aviation guy, this one bothers me more than a whole lot of other things I've ever seen, heard, been told, read about. Because there there are so many missteps, and there is so much shrouded secrecy to the basic information that I mean had this happened anywhere in US territories um, Freedom of Information Act would have given you access to the radar yeah. instantly mm-hmm. any, any it is. just to verify should, that, and, that's how and it should be the second that they said no you can't have it guess what but because yep. this was Malaysia and Malaysia's government is absolutely horrific. I mean, the, the <laughs> guy that was the prime minister during this time period uh, came out within a year after that, that he had basically ripped off more than almost $14 million from the government, which is stealing it for himself. And that, you know, after the second flight that the Russians shot down, uh, the Malaysian government decided to nationalize which means the government took over Malaysian Airlines. And it's still run by the government. So if you're ever flying to Malaysia, folks, uh, you know, your Delta connection might be a Malaysian Airlines flight. Have fun with that one. How about no? Yeah, no. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) So are you, would you lean more towards them being shot down than run go until it runs out of fuel and wrecks. I, I I am not of the opinion that that aircraft flew south into the Indian Ocean until it ran out of fuel. I'm not. Right. That means that someone, whoever that was, okay, had to take control of everyone on that airplane which we're talking about 230 people out of 230 people. If you don't have 1%, 1% of them wanting to stand up and take some type of action as to, you know, where are we going? What's going on? This is, you know, taking too long. What, I mean, any of it, you had to have subdued a lot of people to just keep flying for, yeah. six, for six and a half fucking hours. Okay, no, I, I, I don't, I don't, in my heart, my belief is 
that thing either went north to Kazakhstan or it was shot down. Okay. Either so way. What, what was the ahead. length of the flight it was supposed to be? Because they wouldn't, if it was only supposed to be like a four and a half hour flight, they wouldn't have enough fuel on board to go six hours, right? Okay. No. They, the aircraft, the scheduled flight from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing was just like five hours, and I want to say 34 minutes, so five and a half hours. The aircraft had enough fuel on board to maintain flight for seven hours and 20 minutes, which is pretty standard. Okay. okay. Because if something happens, they delay information, and, yeah. they got to divert somewhere else, any of those things. Yep. They, won't, they always try to put like an hour and a half, two hour fuel window on top of their destination so they can <laughs> make it wherever they need to go. So based on the fuel load, average, you know, fuel consumption at, you know, 29 to 35,000 feet, all these things, which here's the other thing. <laughs> the InSmart data doesn't truly give an altitude, just a distance from the satellite. So if the aircraft started out close to the satellite and flying at 35,000 feet, and then somehow drop down to 10,000 feet, you're increasing the amount of time that that data has to go from the satellite down and back. And that's how they're using the math to say, this is where it had to be because this is the distance from, and they are trying to, you know, arrow it out into an arc when it could have just been here and then here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And yeah. And so the the math of it, I understand. I don't I don't dispute the math, but the math says you've got a hundred and eighty degree arc. That this is where you know this is the last, and this is the last to the north and to the south. Mathematically speaking, they can't say it went to the south, but no, you know the cell phone pinged when they were coming back over. We know that was them. They turned south, oh, I, dude. It's all fucking bullshit. Yeah. And to, you know, to maintain, you know, because they do it like you're the conspiracy theorist. No, it had to be here. The math says so. Okay. But you're not even going to bother to go north and look. You're not going to do anything. You're just going to say, yeah, the Russians uh, told us, uh, yeah, they didn't see anything on their radar. (laughs) Just like, hey, we shot down another one four and a half months later. With more people on board. Yeah. yeah. We we Let's... do. We Russian. We strong like bull. We shoot down all that friend. <laughs> you know, no Russia. fucking, no answer. No nothing. Just like, you know, fuck you. Yeah. We shot it down. It was over Kazakhstan. Fuck you. What are That's, you going to do? That, that would be my thoughts on what happened to, I mean, if they did it four months later, they're probably like, again, you guys are coming again. <laughs> just start shooting them. But I, I can't, I I went a little bit deeper just because I wanted to throw Matt a bone. With the aliens. <laughs> I, I can I can confirm, confirm that in the six months prior to this, there were two U.S. military drones shot down over Pakistan and Afghanistan. That is a reality. I can also confirm that Kuala Lumpur is one of the largest black market 
trafficking areas for all kinds of things, especially we're talking like shark stuff, lion's mane, lion's teeth, all this goat. I mean, because China's big on a lot of the weird, you know, uh, holistic. Yeah. So Kuala Lumpur is already set up to, you know, be this traffic hub for a lot of this stuff. Not saying that it wouldn't be also used for transporting other things through, you know, getting them through to wherever you want them to be without anybody knowing. It's a civilian aircraft flight. Who's going to do anything? The fact that there was a U.S. military multinational exercise going on the same week. Uh, who knows? But uh, aliens. For sure. And fuck it, I'm out. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> At least you saved me the trouble of starting to look shit up because I already know that it doesn't matter what you read, it ain't going to be what happened for sure. Nobody no. else. So. You no. are not going to find a true. I mean, the only destination you're going to find is what you think from all the information you gather. You're going to form yeah. your own idea. Mm-hmm. But there again, mm-hmm. It's like believing in Santa Claus, man. You tell a five-year-old there's no fucking Santa Claus, they're going to fight, bro. They're ready to fucking shake mm-hmm. your ass. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you tell that to a, a fucking 10-year-old, hmm, they're going to be like, I want some more free shit this year. So, yeah, I'll play yeah. along. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's all on your perspective. No fact. I knew about the story, but I, I, I had seen things on the news where it's like, we found this piece and we found this piece, but none of it was ever actual saying oh nope it is normally came back as like a dead end and once again the malaysians are big on that whole cell tower ping and i'm like you understand that factually over six thousand feet you at six thousand feet literally you might like show bars on your phone but your phone is not going to transmit data it's not Mm going to do anything so to say that your radar is tracking this aircraft at 29,000 feet and this guy's cell phone pinged as he came over this peninsula at the top of Malaysia. Bullshit. And that's how you're, well, that's how we know it's them. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. yeah one one yeah. cell phone out of roughly 250 pinged. No. And, and I will tell at you least, this. Okay. Because I bet a lot of them had business phones with them too. So there was probably two per person for quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. There, there is a weird part to this story that I kind of left out, but I'll jump into it real quick. The phantom cell phone theory. A lot of these people, once it had gotten out, so we're talking roughly about 5, 5.30 in the morning. Okay. Because this aircraft by 6 a.m., China time is supposed to be on the ground. So roughly 6 7 o'clock in the morning, a lot of these people's families are starting to realize something's gone wrong and they're making phone calls. They're calling their loved ones' cell phones. And these cell phones are not going, this person is not available, it's going straight to voicemail. Like if you turn your phone off, supposedly that happens. Mm-hmm. No. They're ringing. They're ringing the amount of allotted rings and then going to voicemail, which means one of two functional. They're still functional, or the the you know the signal traffic is going out 
And while they are trying to find the phone, they're just showing it as ringing. And then when they can't make contact and a connection, they just send it to voicemail. That is a factual thing that happens. Sometimes you can call someone, even though they have their phone turned off because they had traveled out of an area and there is no connection ping between the two. It'll ring, searching, searching, searching. Oh, phone's off or whatever. Send it to voicemail. But we're talking 121, the aircraft goes electronically dark. Roughly 7.30 the next morning is when uh, the Malaysian government says, hey, we we don't know where the airplane is. Fuck me, that's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And, and people are calling. Yeah. That's I so mean, much fucking time. You, Yeah. The level hey, of incompetence staggering. The pilot flew this route, killed everybody, and decided to fly around with 238 dead bodies on board a big fucking airplane. <clears throat> because what? He couldn't go whoop and put it? No. He just yeah. said it on autopilot, was like, I'm going to sit here and masturbate and think about gay porn until this thing runs uh-huh. out of gas. You know, I'm, I don't know. I'd go with aliens, aliens before that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure. All right. I've talked it to death. You go, you go, there's a million in one podcasts and TV specials and you're not going to find any real answers, but have fun. They uh, will all have the same facts that you do. Just a lot more speculation and more speculation <laughs> from this person, more speculation from this person. I, I have had this on my brain since March of 2014. I bet because airplanes are what I do, and it just none of it makes sense. None of it, and yet there's enough bullshit. For for me, whenever you're saying it, I don't know near what you do, but when I hear some of it, I'm thinking, "What the fuck?" After I know your brain has to be going bullshit, motherfucker. (laughs) That is not how that works. I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) I have no official stance. On any of this information, oh, other than, uh, you know, there is an official statement that was given to a Malaysian government official when he asked about it, that the aircraft uh, uh, never left Malaysian airspace. All right. Uh, you guys ponder on it. Think on it. I'm done. <laughs> Matt's going to tell you some shit. No, fuck, you, fuck you, Zach, because you're a dick because you care about your family. And you're doing cool stuff for Miss Veda. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, no, I'm like better than this one. I'd like to say we're probably getting back to doing, probably do a live like once a month. It's just things have been hectic here lately. So if you guys have been missing it, uh, that's the reason we've just had shit pop up here and there. And so we had to put it on the back burner. And so we'll all these other out. guys have lives. I'm just lazy. It's more of a. It's been hectic enough just trying to get together to get an episode recorded. It's like yes. everybody's got something going on at this day or this time and just trying to get it together. So doing a live has been rough, but we will let you know on Facebook whenever, unless unless we do one before this comes out, hopefully, because this will be a bit, won't it? Mm-hmm. So everybody want to rate and review on Spotify? Pretty please. That would be great. Pretty, would be pretty great. please. And also, it's pretty cool that you can just 
download it and the video will pop up too. Like you can watch the video of it if you want to, instead of just listening to it. You our, don't even have to download it. As soon as you play. hit play, yeah. yep. As soon as you hit play that video, up. just play. So, okay. yep. Don't watch the video. You don't want to stare at my ugly ass. I mean, my face. They won't allow me to show you my ass. D- depending on episode. <laughs> yeah, depending on. We can go for this one right now. <laughs> Nobody wants to see my big, fat, hairy ass. Oh, boy. Be a spike in, spike in listens on that, wouldn't it? <laughs> no. Todd shows his ass on this episode. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Put put one of us shows ass. Yeah. Okay, guys. Well, <laughs> since we didn't do a, like an intro to tell you who we are, <laughs> sure you already know. If you don't, fuck it. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm not. I don't want any of you to say anything until I tell you what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> well, when your brother that's... names the episode, Todd talks yeah. about anything he wants to except gay porn. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I'm in my fifties. It's That's not our... as prevalent as it used to be, but you can be guaranteed of one thing. Tell me that I cannot or will not do something. And it's happening. Mm-hmm. So that's why you got the gay porn joke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, thanks, thanks for tuning in. Oh, oh this is, well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, we will see you next Tuesday. I'm Spar. Lindy. Uh, I am a meat popsicle. Later. Bye. Okay, I love you. Bye bye. It's evil. Don't touch it. It's alive. They're coming to get you. This is me. Hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. What's my line, Zach? What's my line?